All right, welcome to another Ember Weekend. I'm Jonathan Jackson. And I'm Chase McCarthy. And we are Ember Weekend, and we're going to talk about some newsy type stuff. I am broadcasting from Providence, and it is nice and cool here. Is it a million degrees where you are, Chase? It's all I know. It's pretty cool today. It's like uh, 102 or something. 102, yeah, nice and cool. Very chill day. It's like a good day for like a, you know, like a hike or something. Right, right totally. Anyways, I think uh, we should just dive right in, but first a word from our sponsors. Hello, I'm Corey. And I'm Matt. Matt and I started our consulting company, 201 Created, five years ago. We've been passionate about Ember and its community since we started and are proud to be able to sponsor Ember Weekend. Our clients have included Fortune 50 companies and Y Combinator startups. If your team needs Ember training or advice or wants to learn how to make open source work for you, visit us at www.201-created.com or follow us on Twitter at 201 T-W-O underscore O-H underscore O-N-E. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. All right, so the first thing we want to talk about is basically like kind of a quick mention about the Ember.js newsletter. The Ember.js newsletter, I believe, is run by Locks and other members of the learning team. And uh, he asked us to basically uh, mention that he is looking for people to help with producing that newsletter and also maybe even more generically in other places around like uh, the learning space. So maybe a contribution to docs or contributions to actual code. But basically, he just wants you to get in touch. And if you're if you're interested in helping out, he can put you in the right spot to start helping out. And the next thing I want to talk about is something that I'm really surprised we haven't mentioned yet, and that's Ember CLI TypeScript. So we've mentioned a couple times that you know TypeScript is included by default in Glimmer. Actually, I'm not even sure if you can if you can opt out of it. I think it's like required. But in Ember, TypeScript is actually a little more painful until this add-on came out. It was most people uh, kind of just avoided it. But I've seen a lot of people using this and recommending it. And anytime somebody asks, like, you know, can I use TypeScript in Ember? And you know, there's a bunch of things that this handles for you, putting all of the, you know, the, the TS files into the pipeline and getting them built, importing type defs and things like that. So if you're thinking about using in TypeScript in Ember, try it out. It's a great tool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, I've been doing a little bit of work in an add-on that's written in TypeScript, and I've found myself really enjoying it. Writing it's still kind of a challenge for me because I, I keep on running into, you know, weird cases where I want to do something that's very normal in JavaScript, but in TypeScript, it's kind of off limits, like not defining a type on an object and then trying to like add a property later after it's been instantiated or, you know, just weird things that I've been running into that are kind of strange. But as far as reading is concerned, like I can't think of in some cases more a more terse way to very like robustly describe interfaces. In fact, in one of the quest issues that I worked with Robert on for Ember Macro Benchmarks, we actually use just TypeScript definitions for interfaces to describe like this problem. And it's like, there's not a whole lot of, there's not, a, I, don't, I can't think of a better way to do it. I'm reminded of EmberConf talk by, I want to say Yehuda and Godfrey, where they talk about how that's kind of why they started using TypeScript. Like they were writing out like, oh, this is the shape of the thing that we need here. And this is the shape of the thing we need here. And they kept on writing out on whiteboards. And eventually they were like, well, why don't we just use TypeScript? We're like typing all this stuff anyways. So why don't we just use that? So I'm finding myself like really digging it. And this seems like a really cool way to just drop it in and start using it. I'm not necessarily saying that would be great for existing projects. I suspect there's ways to opt in to where you could start leveraging TypeScript. But I mean, it's definitely worth exploring, especially on side projects while you kind of you know get more familiar with TypeScript because it, it's really cool. I mean, yeah, definitely. The places that we I've seen this used in, in the projects I've been on is not in the main app, but it's in like add-ons that are like core functionality app. And 
it's very useful for things where you really want, you know, like you're striving for correctness and for having like a good API. And also it kind of gives you a really good way for somebody to go into your code and see what the API is and like what actual types are and know when they look at a variable, like what goes in that place, like what type is stored there. So it's, it's definitely useful. So Yeah, definitely. So I would definitely check it out. This kind of popped up into our feed because it was in the announcements channel and they just did a new release with more TypeScripty goodness. And I know, uh, Chase, you were talking about being able to actually specify type defs and import them so that you can kind of like have the static analysis go into even other add-ons that are not necessarily written by you. Do you want to expound upon that? That was intriguing. I feel like it has a pretty good way to do that. Yeah, my only experience playing with TypeScript was just doing a little demo app and and trying to get this working with like Moment and Redux. And one of the things that, you know, like when you start, when a beginner starts messing around with this, they really quickly hit is that as soon as they need to use a library that it does not have type definitions, like how do you define your own? And there's some pretty good guides in the readme and stuff like that about how to like like Redux includes the the d.ts the the type def file for it like in its in its module but some of them like moment I don't think moment does but there's a bunch of them that like kind of the community has written and there's like public places I think they're all under like at types slash you know the thing and so you can generally find if it's a really popular library you can find the type definitions for them and just include them and now you can use some other library but if you have to write your own there's some really good examples of how to do that with MRCLI TypeScript and you know how to basically include that and get it to now recognize the types of something that was foreign. So it's some, something you kind of you're going to struggle with in the beginning, I think, but it quickly becomes like I think a regular pattern, like just the way you code. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. I, I I did run into some some issues using the Vim TypeScript plugin, but maybe I just need to like spend a little bit more time massaging my editor config. But yeah, this is a super cool way to kind of see TypeScript in your Amber apps now and add-ons. So check it out and let us know what you think. The next thing we're going to mention kind of quickly is kind of a follow-up to last week's episode where we talked about the named blocks RFC and basically just kind of a, an update that it was merged in. I think that there was still some, there were some exceptions that were made at the last minute to kind of address some of the concerns opened during the final comment period. And if you want to find more out about that, obviously you can go check out the RFC. And I think you can probably still comment and there's probably still going to be movement on it until I think they call them champions. Isn't that what they call them? They're called. Somebody has to actually start working on it. And once that happens, I think that they'll, they'll go back and revisit the RFC to, to gain more feedback. Yeah, I think I think that that's how the RFCs end up getting merged in. I don't know. Somehow magic happens and people work on it, and I get new features. I mean, does <laughs> exactly. it really matter? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of matters. But uh, yeah, you can check out the RFC uh, once again. We'll link to it just like we did last week, and you can check it out. It is pretty cool, and there's going to be some cool opportunities to use it soon. So yeah, pretty exciting. You may have seen this on Twitter, Ghost, which is the blog engine that we use for Ember Weekend and that you might see all over the place now. It's written Ember. It just hit 1.0. And there's quite a bit of changes. I mean, like anything going to 1.0, you know, everything's kind of solidified and kind of uh, patterns were established, decisions were made. And we're going to go over some of the things that changed or were added to Ghost 1.0. I actually find this really amusing that the title of their post is a bit trolly. It's React, Redux, and Redis. And then, like, literally the next line, the subheader is like, nah, just kidding. That was, that was a total joke. Uh, so it's like this link baity post where you see, I mean, I, honestly, in the JavaScript ecosystem, you're not unfamiliar with that, probably that exact title of a blog post. So it's kind of, it's kind of funny. It's a nice little, uh, little you know, nod at, at all of the, the people rewriting Flavor of the Month JavaScript. But yeah, there's some really cool stuff going on in Ghost 1.0. I think the thing that I, I'm most excited about mentioning is the fact that they are using MobileDoc 
It's important to notice that there's two things when I meant when I mentioned mobile dock. There's kind of mobile dock the spec and format, which is kind of like the thing that you would put into your database, ostensibly. You know, it's like it has enough information for you to read it and turn it into the rich text that needs to be and, and, and how it needs to be displayed. And then there's also mobile doc the, the WYSIWYG, the actual like rich text editor. And I believe that they're just using the format portion and they wrote their own editor. So there is some discrepancies there when we start start talking about this, but it's still really cool because I think that the thing that is so powerful is that mobile doc, the spec enables you to do things like this where you can write your own editor and there's a standard way for other editors to interact with them. So you can consume, parse, you can create other widgets, et cetera. And there's a way for you to communicate those in, in different ways in different places. So yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. It's pretty cool. I think it was it was kind of neat that uh, Corey and Matt from our sponsor ad people and 201 uh, are actually mentioned in either the, the dev post or the the main ghost post, which is pretty cool. So yeah, mobile doc. It's pretty cool. And Chase, you were looking at the other stuff. I think there's some like things with, my, are they using MySQL, Chase? Yeah, this is a really interesting kind of small like one-liner in the actual like announcement of like Ghost 1.0, but they link to a bigger blog describing this movement away from supporting Postgres to only supporting MySQL. So they had, I guess, originally, like, I don't, I don't even know, because we used like a Heroku one-button like startup my app thing. We didn't have to deal with any of the database stuff, which I don't think you generally do. But if you're running this on your own and you had a custom setup and you had a database already, you might want to run it in Postgres or, or MySQL. Well, by default, they run it in SQLite. And there was some confusion around that. And there's people, I guess, who wanted something more powerful. So they've now defaulted to MySQL and they've dropped support for Postgres. So yeah, they dropped support for Postgres. They're moving to MySQL. I think they still technically support SQLite, but they don't officially support Postgres but the reason is not because they're somehow incompatible with it. It was mostly a decision because all the people, the major contributors that are using this are using MySQL in production and not Postgres, which meant that in order to like make sure that things were working in Postgres, they had to like, you know, go off of their normal path and test it in Postgres. And they wanted someone who was more familiar with Postgres, who used it in production in Postgres to actually help contribute. So they at the bottom of this this other blog that they did specifically about the database stuff. They said they're not precluding including Postgres support back officially, but it, it would depend on somebody coming up to help contribute on a regular basis to support Postgres. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. That that could be a, a, a difficult cost to, to to cover. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> just knowing how uh, intricate Postgres can be. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff here. There's uh, It looks like uh, Node 6. Yeah, there's like a migration guide and a theme migration guide to, to get up onto the, the latest version, uh, the 1.0 from existing versions. And I think it's pretty cool. I mean, definitely check out Ghost. We use Ghost in our blog. I think that might be the topic of a future episode where we kind of migrate our blog up to Ghost 1.0, which would be kind of fun. Maybe we'll actually write <laughs> some blog posts. <laughs> right. Well, maybe we'll write a blog post about upgrading the blog. So, but the, yeah, the, the one thing that I think we're going to run into is that the theming changed. So there's a, a migration guide for adjusting themes and there's like, some tooling around validating themes, which is nice, like security-wise, like is a theme secure. They call it, have this thing called G-Scan, which from what I'm reading, it looked like it was basically a way to, if you find some theme on a blog or on a site somewhere and you want to install it, you don't want to just give it full access to the machine that's running your ghost blog because it might have some malicious scripts in it. So this thing scans it. That's really neat, actually, yeah. Yeah, so theme migrationing, ghost one owing, cool stuff. Mobile doc, 
definitely check it out. We'll link to the dev post that we mentioned. And I think there's also a like ghost.org, not dev blog that they released that sums up maybe a little bit more generically the changes. So I'm looking forward to that. And yeah, I think that's it. Just as a correction to what I just said about malicious scripts, <laughs> so that we don't have to do it next week, I just read the like one liner below it that says that what GScan does is validates your themes based on errors, deprecations, and other compatibility issues. So it's not about malicious checking, like malicious scripts. So don't, don't cool. assume that they're safe because you've read it through GScan. <laughs> so That's correction funny. corner happened like instantly this week. Yeah, instant correction corner. That's pretty impressive. All right, and that's all we have for this week. If you'd like to follow along with the podcast, uh, you can do that on Twitter. We're at Ember Weekend, all one word. If you want to check out the blog that we're talking about, that's emberweekend.com slash blog. Don't forget to subscribe to the feed, emberweekend.com slash feed.xml, or look us up on iTunes. So yeah, I'm Chase McCarthy. And I'm Jonathan Jackson. And we'll see you next week. 